when we start to think about tactical things that will change the behaviour that the health advocates are concerned about, there are actually things that can be done that are not put labels on everything. Welcome to episode 443 of Bruce News Week, recorded on Thursday the 9th of November 2023. I'm Bruce News Editor and forgetful button pusher Matt Kirkegaard, and I'm joined by the patient and uh, ever uh, understanding uh, Sabrina Kunz and Ian Watson. Welcome back to you both. Hello. Good afternoon. <laughs> For the second... Sorry. Listeners, I uh, forgot to press record. I was going to uh, so say, we, Matt, we... I think this is the first time anybody's ever called me patient. Well, you, you didn't throw things at me, but uh, <laughs> given that we've already done this, sorry, listeners, if uh, yeah, hopefully we'll keep this as fresh and interesting. We had a fantastic conversation and we're going to include you in this one. Um, <laughs> news of the week, uh, Bad Shepherd uh, Brewing emerges from voluntary administration. Bad Shepherd Brewing went into administration back in October. Um, they had the meeting last week of all creditors who voted to accept a deed of company arrangement that involved uh, them taking 10 cents in the dollar. Um, it was unanimous. If you listen to the Radio Bruce, the Bruce News Week this week, where I have a very uh, engaging chat with uh, both Derek and Didi um, of the creditors, uh, everyone except the Australian Tax office voted uh, to accept the deed of company arrangement, uh, 10 cents in the dollar. Under a voluntary administration, you have to have uh, a majority of creditors and a majority of the value. Um, in this case, the ATO was the major um, creditor, um, so they didn't have value, but the administrator uh, threw the casting ballot, and uh, so, it, so it got got up and they continue to trade. Um Really, as I said, really interesting chat where they don't just talk about the circumstances that led to it, um, but also you know the decisions they made, the negotiations that they went into, and where they hope to go, and then also quite a bit about the uh, about the market. Um, guys, over to you. What do you think? Yeah, I think this is one you really do have to have a listen to the beers of conversation, and then we need to actually really wait to. Um, until the published docker so we can find out um, a little bit more about the extent of things however from listening to to what they said in the in the in the show there wasn't much outstanding to any creditors apart from the ATO up until the point that the VA was called as they were up to date on all their accounts but then as the VA was called naturally anything that was owing in that monthly period was then something that was um, uh, that they were drawing as a as a creditor for so it was quite different to some of the other VAs we've seen where suppliers had been owed you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars um, from the companies that have gone into VA, whereas this one, it really was the ATO and then the most current account period for, for suppliers. But we'll wait and see on the, the, the docker. That, that's where I'd like to see the docker, yes. And we, I mean, I've got no reason to doubt um, doubt that. But uh, if I was a creditor, um, you know, <laughs> what, what I consider a, a small um, debt and uh, what, what the business considers a small debt may may not be the same. So That's true, yes. There is, Matt, you've put in the show notes the related article in The Guardian um, that, you know, provided an overview of uh, the situation facing Bad Shepherd but also sort of quoted the IBA and... Um, 
wayward. And in that article, um, Kylie of the IBA says, um, quotes, that of the 212 IBA-associated brewers who responded to the May membership survey, 91% said they had been extremely affected by the current economic climate and 66% had said that their business may not survive the downturn. So certainly Bad Shepherd aren't alone in the economic pressures facing them and as again highlighted in this article by The Guardian and as we've talked about before, um, the ATO debts becoming due, um, those 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 compounded excise debts that were on hold during COVID um, is becoming the tipping point for a whole bunch of breweries. So if you see it coming, brewery, is there something you can do about it sooner, earlier? Uh, as soon as you see it coming, you know, what can you do in terms of negotiating with the ATO, et cetera, et cetera, because I think, you know, the, the lesson from this one here was that Bad Shepherd acted as soon as they saw that they weren't going to be able to pay that that their monthly dues. Well, when you listen to the podcast, um, there had been, it sounded like, negotiations with the ATO where the ATO, where, where they hopefully could extend the period of the repayment of the uh, deferred um, excise debt um, and the ATO wouldn't give them that you know, runway to do it. So um, anyway, it, it, it was an interesting chat um, and, and well worth going to have a listen, if I do say so myself. Um, but in, in other news, it did spur an article in the, in the Guardian talking about the craft beer recession, which matches up with uh, the ongoing advice out of the Brewers Association in the US that the craft beer market uh, isn't maturing, it has matured. And uh, I shared that in the Radio Brews News Facebook group where, you know, the Brewers Association that has long been a booster um, and a promoter of the craft beer industry and celebrating the numbers is now saying that the market isn't growing. Um, and I, I noted in the Facebook group that, you know, so it's it's one of those really hard roles an association like the Brewers Association has to walk where you have to be supportive, you have to, you want to be seen to be encouraging, you want to be seen to be lobbying and growth in member numbers is a is a good thing but i personally think that they their optimism for growth um extended much more than was probably reasonable um and uh to now be saying oh it's you know it's mature everyone should know that um probably uh you know i think a lot of businesses were encouraged to continue to enter the industry long after i think those numbers were probably a little bit less um robust yeah, and I think that the hard part is, Matt, again, you know, we're talking at an industry-wide level being the whole of Australia and all beer, but, you know, there there will be pockets where certain business models are still viable business models. Um, but the the sell to a larger conglomerate and make all the millions certainly seems to have, you know, um, ended with stone and wood or at least that... Um, that opportunity certainly seems to have been almost a couple of years ago, you know, pre-COVID. Um, and so when we talk about a mature market, um, you know, go go get out your management strategy textbooks, but the, the approach that you need to take in a mature market is very different from when you're in a growing market. Um, so it is going to require a different um, thought and a different positioning at every business level um, when you understand where you're playing so so I think you know we, we've said it for 
many, many months now. Um, but, you know, right now people have got the, the innovation now is in business strategy, <laughs> um, not so much. Speaking in, of, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that with the, uh, the, the the next story. But Well, yeah, not so much in ingredients and the newest beer. The, the, it's the, the innovation in business strategy is necessary right now. There's been an interesting function of craft beer, and I don't know what it is, specifically but it, it is one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm sort of chewing on mentally is you know it was a it was cast as a revolution you know small businesses taking on the big conglomerates it was offering choice and diversity um you know it was all really and, and it was you know bootstrap you know people garage bands uh, making it big all of those sorts of narratives that served the industry very very well when it started you know when there wasn't an established market for craft beer and those stories were very good at creating interest in consumers and you know, a reason to pick up craft beer because it made you discerning and different and it's new and all of those things that, that, that we like. And it was all very, very powerful to, to kick off the, the, the industry. But I think that narrative um, perpetuated by a lot of the businesses that entered it and, you know, including recently, went on too long because all markets mature. Um, and I think, you know, even as recently as the last, you know, three and four years, you know, COVID makes it hard um, to, to draw co- direct comparisons because it was such an uncertain period. But a lot of breweries have opened with exactly the same business strategy that were breweries were opening with ten years ago. The beer styles may not have been the same as ten years ago, but their um, adherence to existing popularity was. Um, you know, I, I don't know that there have been too many venues that have gone, there's this great thing called craft beer. What can I do differently? Or what can I do? Where's the market going to go? I think what a lot of them did was going, hey, I went to this craft brewery. It was fantastic. I would like to do that, which is effectively looking in the market rearview mirror. You know, if, if you're inspired to do something by something that exists, you're almost already behind the, you know, popularity curve if, if that makes yeah, sense ab- ab- absolutely map if everyone's just doing the same thing over and over um you can't expect to do unless by a stroke of luck you can't expect to do any any better um and that's where there's been a little bit of a lack of innovation but i'm sure that it'll, it'll happen it'll it'll come and we'll see growth and changes um in the industry and in the offerings because of this I- i've been thinking about it like um, coffee shops, like your local coffee shop, you know. Um, so th- there's a f- th- we've been through a period where every second coffee shop you go into is like white walls and trees. It's got that sort of green aesthetic that's come out of something yep. and they all look yep. the same. And like you're serving the same brand of coffee, you've got the same four sweet choices and none for our savoury people. Um, and it just happens to be that your location is the spot that is most convenient to people. Yep. So you haven't innovated your offering at all. You're just another cafe, quite frankly, that looks the same as all the other cafes. And you capture from the, yep. And you just capture from your catchment. And and you, the person who owns it works in it. And, and certainly my local cafe, I'm there every day. I give them my money. But there's nothing, I love their coffee. Um, but there's nothing sort of super mind-bending about that. And that's a mature. That that's a market that one would argue is quite saturated, and yet um, coffee shops open and close all the time. 
right? They they open somebody opens them, they close, they open and they close. What what came with beer is this sort of like cult like following that came in behind something that could easily open service a local market and close again. And also this idea that you weren't just going to be a coffee shop, you were going to be the coffee shop, you were going to be the coffee. And and so I just think there is this, you know, we've talked about it for a while, different business models are going to different work. Sorry, different business models are going to work in this market as we see it. I do think that um, COVID exposed or exacerbated perhaps issues that may have taken longer to really play out in the industry, some of those inflationary pressures, which means that I think that's a great point because I think a lot of the things that we're seeing were in evidence before COVID. They they were in evidence but they were just in sort of small pockets and perhaps with time, you know, if you can make a strategy to address something that you see coming down, you might be able to pivot as opposed to sort of the cracks all forming underneath you at at once while you're trying to maintain everything. So I do think that but for COVID, the situation might not be exactly as it is, but certainly the discussion would have switched, I think, to we're a maturing market. It just might not, the runway might have been a bit longer. And so I I do think that, um, you know, I I do think that for for all of the breweries, uh, you know, you can't um, take it too hard that you didn't see it coming necessarily as a small business in your area because COVID did change the world, right? Um, Mm. So... so I, I I give a little bit of leeway for that. I, I I do think that the cracks were starting to form, but we still probably had a couple of extra years under our belt. It absolutely did skew things um, and skew our perceptions of where things were. And hindsight, uh, as as Matt said in the podcast, hindsight is is wonderful. Vision is always twenty twenty that way. Um, but there are some things that we probably could have looked at at the time. Some probably did. Some of us did in some areas, and some of us didn't in others. But what we saw was obviously through lockdowns, we saw all our venues close up. Um, then we saw a massive increase in packaged because people still had a dollar in their pocket and people were buying that. And so package volumes went went, uh, went through the roof. Um, then we had the venues open back up again in a limited way. And that was actually when it was limited to was 20 or 40 people um, inside the venue, it, bloody good times for venue operation because what you found was that people were coming in they had their like two or three hour window they're coming in they weren't mucking around they were coming in they were having their beers and i'm not saying about getting silly but they were having what they intended they weren't dragging on um with things they were having the beers they, mm. were, they were eating uh the food while they were there then their window would close and they'd have to be up then they were buying takeaway and leaving, as well as the fact that they are selling more to to bottle shops, and you were having less staff on to operate it because you didn't need. And I remember speaking to a venue owner um, and saying, "It's actually working for us." And he went, "Yeah, man, it's working for me too." You know, I hate to say it, but it's it's really working. Then things opened up, and um, things were were pretty good and then we had the Omicron uh, wave and that was uh, and things completely opened up and we had that wave and then people self-policed and didn't go out and that was our start of our, our waiver on but it, it totally skewed both uh, on and off-premise uh, sales 
dramatically and we don't know yeah, what it's been um, in the three years that we've just done with without that. Uh, it, it's part of us now. Maybe uh, I, I do think that it probably has brought on this current condition now. We wouldn't be in this at the moment for probably another um, three to five years. I think it was like a doubling of time. Oh, I agree. A and things like you wouldn't have had your excise paused and no. so those bills wouldn't have yep. built up in the background. Um, maybe the supply chain um, costs continued to rise, but they didn't escalate at the pro at the pace that they did. I mean, even you look at again. I th ha have we referenced it this time? I can't recall the um, Hawkers, the Crafty Pints analysis of Hawkers beer. But you know, utilities up ninety percent in one year. So like those costs have all compounded um, just recently, and we don't know what they would have been but for the impact of COVID. You know, and then and then war and you know so on and so forth. So, I, I think it's it's hard to know where we would have been. The result is we've rapidly arrived at this place, um, and certainly people haven't had the chance to, or businesses haven't had the chance to adjust appropriately. Uh, a lot of the businesses. I think we've uh, covered that pretty thoroughly. Um, moving on now, speaking of different uh, business strategies and different uh, you know alternative ways of doing things. Um, and this is literally just hit the, uh, the the inbox today. So it's this is the media release, uh, not a deeper story. I have invited the parties uh, on to talk about it because it does sound interesting. But White Bay Beer Company welcomes Richard Rose as equity partners. Sydney-based brewery White Bay Beer Company has appointed award-winning independent brand and creative industry Richard Rose to their leadership team as equity partners as they embark on the next phase of growth. Um, White Bay started in 2020 just as COVID hit and they've gone on to get wide-ranging through Dan Murphy's Vintage Cellars, uh, BWS and Independent Bottle Shops and they were awarded the Champion Independent Beer and Champion Lager at the Independent Brewers Association uh, Awards uh, last year. Um, I've known and worked with Digby, Adam and the Richard Rose team for over a decade now. They're experts at creating and growing brands and now that we've established the business and operations, it's time to shoot for the stars with our brand, said White Bay co-founder Adam Tripp-Smith. Richard Rose have agreed to an equity and cash partnership to ensure alignment around ambitions and partnership. The unique arrangement sees Richard Rose embedded in the leadership table, embedded at the leadership table, not in the leadership table, uh, versus being an external consultant. It also doesn't preclude them from working with other alcohol brands. Um, interesting one. I know that White Bay have been doing, as a lot of uh, the larger craft breweries have, they didn't go down the equity crowdfunding route. They've been doing a uh, private equity raise. Um, and uh, it's been interesting to see that this is where they've, they've uh, come up. Yeah, this is a really uh, interesting partnership and um partnerships maybe not even the right word, I suppose it is, but a, a really interesting development because branding and marketing uh, really are everything uh, in our industry. Uh, good product is really not quite enough. Um, there's lots of breweries that have got really good product and there's breweries out there that are making incredible product but just don't have the volume of the pull through and the, fl the, the flow and your branding and marketing is, is incredibly important. So having... Um, as part of your business, people who are very good at and highly specialised in these areas is a very, very smart move. Um, it reminds me of, if, if any of you have ever read the book Beer School, um, you'll know yep. what I'm talking about. Or if you haven't read Beer School, go and get yourself a copy of Beer School. It's the story of the foundation of uh, Brooklyn Brewery. And one of the things they did uh, early on was they went into a partnership with, and he took a stake in the company of Milton Glazer, who 
is a very famous um, uh, um, American graphic designer and artist. He's the person that came up with the I Heart New York. Ah, that's right. I've, I've forgotten. I'll have to go back and reread that. Yeah, he, t- he took a, um, a reasonable uh, stake in the company and provided all their, their branding and marketing, which is quite iconic. And if you re- read into the book, he talks about um, why he chose the imagery he did for Brooklyn Brewery. And um, it goes through a good um, description, too, of what it was like working with a designer and, and of handing yourself over to the designer and of your gut reaction versus your reaction after a few days. Like, he, he gave him the logo, and I think from memory they sort of said they were underwhelmed. And he said, just go and put it in the fridge for a few days and come back to me and tell me what you think. And by the time they went through a few days, they were they were, they, they understood what it was. So, um yeah, so this 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 is a, a very cool and very good idea um, going into a partnership with people who really understand that because I'm sure that at White Bay they they know they definitely know how to make very good beer and um, probably know how to sell it as well. But having the the um, top level branding and, and and marketing on board at all times is a very sensible move. Yeah, I mean, we talked last week about, you know, a small UK brewery investing in a small um, brewery in Australia and we sort of said we think we're going to see more of these unique and interesting partnerships and I agree with everything you've said there, Ian, and business innovation is the way forward and drawing on expertise outside of your yourselves and, and thinking about new paths. I mean, I just think we're going to see more and more of this we're, because also those other people are still looking to Regardless of what we're saying about craft beer maturing, there's still a cachet, there's still a thing, there's still a vibe, there's still a people want to be associated with craft beer. Still, regardless of where it is, we how much money we know it's making, all of that. Uh, there are is we talking still about a, as owners or consumers? <laughs> I, I just mean there's a there's a cultural cachet still associated with. The vibe of the thing. I know that's unhelpful. Um, and so I think you will see these innovative partnerships, um, in this case, as an equity o- stake owner. Um, but, you know, that that may, may be that we haven't thought of that want the cachet that come from or, or the access to the customers that are associated with a particular craft beer. So Or synergies. Um, between, synergies. Between businesses, yes. Actually, on that one from, the, from last week, I have started to listen to that beer as a conversation. Um, I'm listening to multiple podcasts all at once, um, and I'm partway through that one. I'm finding that one really interesting. I, I'm, I really can't wait to, to to listen to the end of it. Um, yeah, so, so uh, uh, a, a different direction. Oh, we give good podcast here, Ian. Yeah. Uh, it, it, <laughs> well, 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 you know, um, you, you got a great story to, to, to go with there, and um, um, yeah, it, it's I, I am finding that one quite interesting and. Um, recommend uh going and having a listen to that too uh unless the um back end of that show the second half of that show is is nowhere as good as the first but i'm sure it isn't it was just an interesting story he was willing to engage you know and and you can still yeah anyway go go and listen to it form your own views um moving on uh, this is just something that was caught my eye this week and it's a you know cognitive uh bias um to you know i told you so um SBS to let streaming viewers block gambling, alcohol, and fast food ads. Hybrid public broadcaster SBS is introducing controls for viewers to avoid gambling, alcohol, and fast food ads 
in on its digital streaming platform, SBS On Demand, as part of its responsible advertising practices. The initiative announced at the Broadcasters Upfront event in Sydney uh, last Tuesday will be introduced in the first quarter of 2024. Um, Managing Director James Taylor said the move was unrelated to incoming legislation on wagering ads. And I'll just sort of throw in as well, and we'll come to it, um, that that was also the week that Q&A on the ABC debated whether or not uh, health warnings would uh, come on, and we might uh, get to that. But the the only comment I had on that was, um, when I posted that to the Radio Brews News Facebook group, was I just said, you know, it's momentum. You know, we're starting to see not just people calling for, you know, the, 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 the typical noises that alcohol is bad, we need to do something about it. We're actually starting to see those calls picked up and acted on and looked at. And, you know, again, it, it, it's, it's a cognitive bias to me because I've been worried about this for some time. And I look at some of the discussion that takes place whenever I talk about it. And there, there are the people who weigh in and, you know, just dismiss it as nanny statism or um, that, I'm the canary in the coal mine and my values are, are different to, um, to the mainstream. It doesn't matter what my values are and my values are actually a little bit lower than the concern that I voice. So my, my expectations are lower based on my uh, appreciation of alcohol myself. But at the same time, if the industry maintains a deaf ear through its behaviour and pushes boundaries rather than sets um, limits these calls are just going to get greater and it, it has a really potential negative uh, for, for the industry um, it, it, if, if they get on. Now, um, a couple of things, Matt. Um, I'm in line with you in uh, the fact that our behaviour will di- dictate outcomes. So with this SPS, let viewers block gambling, alcohol, fast food ads, are you saying you think this is a bad thing or a good thing or just a... Oh no 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 oh, no no sorry no sorry I, I I think that's a good thing I think we should you know you should have the right to choose not to see ads and things like that but the fact that it's happening um, you know the the fact that it's seen as an element of responsible and it's it's, it's a sort of control this is actually SBS acting proactively to forestall criticism of it taking ads um, so if you're a parent and you're concerned you know and I, I presume it's a business decision for them because. They do take advertising from from these people, and as part of and they're, they're a revenue based business. But by putting these restrictions in place, it lets them say, "Look, if if you don't like seeing gambling, if you don't like seeing this, you can turn them off. We're being responsible. Some people like them, some people don't. The voices that are against alcohol want to see it taken out of sport. They want to they, they, you know they don't want to have that nuance. Those articles have just come out in the last week or so too haven't they Mm. um i I felt like somebody posted that into the radio brews news group too which is a call for ban on um sports advertising yep yep because i i think i i'm in fully in favor of um a service allowing you to block uh any of those types of ads from their acres i don't want to see gambling um gambling ads my myself um, not really keen on fast food ads either. To be honest, I don't really want to see the alcohol ads either, not because I obviously have anything against alcohol. It's just that I'm just not interested in it because I'm probably going to get the ads for products I'm not interested in. So, um, And I think this is probably possibly could be seen as a step forward because it, it takes away um, the situation where saying, well, uh, and we've seen this through ABAC 
people saying they've put the ads in and they pay for ads in this time slot and for this show, which mm. is a majority thing, but my child likes to watch it. It was like, well, fine, simply just block the ads. Oh, if I want to watch yep. sports ball with, with my child, I'll make sure all of those are blocked myself um, because my kids do not need to see alcohol ads. They certainly don't need to see gambling ads, and I probably prefer they don't see fast food ads either. Um, so I think it's a, a step forward. What it may also do too is if enough people are blocking those ads, uh, we will probably drive those the cost of ad slots in those types down because there'll be less of a viewership of people that are wanting to do it. So maybe um, alcohol gambling, alcohol um, advertising might become cheaper in in streaming services. But I think particularly with more and more streaming, I haven't watched straight broadcast TV in a long time. Um, I think this is a a step forward. I have. So many thoughts on this um, <laughs> uh, because from lots of different angles, right? The first one is as an industry, I think this is, as you said, Ian, probably a good thing for us because actually it reduces the liability for alcohol advertisers who are using their best endeavours and sometimes get it wrong, so it lands in the wrong spot, as you say. If there is a customer who is particularly concerned about any of these things, they can turn it off, so there is an opt-out off offering. I think once the um, technology is perfected by the SBS to make this really easy and possible, it then makes it much easier for other um, providers to do the same, right? So once this is really perfected, once opt-out of streaming television, particular ads is possible, you can opt out of these things. So so I, I think there's sort of um, I agree with you, Matt, that once the technology exists and it's being used and it becomes an expectation, I'm not sure that the SBS is sort of leading the edge there, but once they can do it, then the ABC certainly knows how to do it. And then once that happens, um, you know, there is a bit of a floodgates argument. The second thing I think of is um, just the hyper personalization of the way in which people expect to interact with their media. And I mean that both in television, written, Instagram, Facebook, People expect to be able to opt in and opt out at a very micro level now for the things that they do and do not like. And that is having um, increasingly challenging public policy implications when we think about, you know, what is good and what is bad because people are making decisions at such a micro level. There isn't this sort of social cohesion around certain ideas. So, you know, I, I then start thinking about what does that mean in terms of the way to communicate. So I think... Uh, you know, I took that step. Um, and then the other view that I had, you know, we talk about gambling and alcohol at the same level and um, certainly we're about to get to these comments around um, Q&A. But um, my kid was in daycare on Tuesday and they're doing horsey games for Melbourne Cup. We, we had neighbours that used to actually have a sweep for grade three classes using real money. You know, it was a Catholic school, which seems to be... You know. Happened at my school, happened at my school in when I was in primary school. And so I go, we have inculcated generations that gambling by winning a prize or a candy or whatever out of sweeps, out of whatever, is reasonable. And that is part of the Australian zeitgeist. And so, you know, we can age restrict, we can opt out, we can do all of those things. But at the end of the day, and certainly we'll come to Q&A again because they make this point... Unless we are going to affect a cultural change about the entire culture says gambling is not okay, and I get that there are degrees and I get that it's a one day, but I just look at that and go, I don't think as a culture 
overall we're ready to really there are there are elements that understand the cost of gambling but I don't think as a culturally we're ready to kick that can down the road quite as far as some groups might think we are as a total collective and again that's why this micro level opt-in opt-out is so interesting so um that's sort of a bit cerebral but that's where I went with (laughs) that's why we have a panel so we can uh, it's a little bit like Q&A ourselves and before we get to Q&A I am going to say that somebody else that has uh, a, a great attitude to things is Rowling's label stickers and packaging because beer can labels are regarded these days as the new mini billboard of the beverage industry. They say a lot as an advertisement you can hold in your hand. The label is the genuine conversation starter. The label is also providing a new voice to designers and artists, and especially if they're shareholders in your business, and with a very public canvas to present some terrific artworks and some tongue-in-cheek quips. Seriously though, to get all the specs right, so you can so your can or bottle looks at its best at all times, call the guys at Rallings Label Stickers and Packaging on 1300 852 235 or email sales at to see how they can make your brand sing. We thank our good friends at Rallings for their continued support uh, in making this possible. Now, Sabrina, this is something that you dropped in. You've got views. I've got the news, the views and the issues. What did you used to call? Is that what you used to call? Um, no, so this is, I think we should all... Um, craft brewers we should all pat ourselves on the back for this I mean we didn't do it alone but certainly um on Monday night's um Q&A on ABC at 9:35, and the question was should health labels as we've um as the industry had raised alarm be made um re- required to be made on all alcohol products and um the positive for industry was that there was a pretty strong um smackdown notwithstanding a poll that was conducted a very scientific poll conducted by the ABC on um Facebook and the associated comments around that question um the the minister for health Mark Butler gave a pretty sizable smackdown saying no we are not going to be focused on this as a policy objective we are focused on fighting tobacco and tobacco issues um and and the other thing that i so that is yay yay to us thank you to all of the small breweries and probably large breweries who wrote in and wrote to their relevant minister and said this is going to dramatically impact our business. Um, The outcome of the uh, ABC poll was 56% of people said, yes, alcohol should have graphic warning labels similar to cigarettes. No were 37% and unsure 7%. So um, I don't know if that's skewed to people who follow the ABC, which may be a particular demographic. Um, so as we said, not sort of super scientific and not one we can dig into. But the comment that I thought was particularly illuminating coming out of um, the discussion on Q&A was there was a uh, the other panellist other than the health minister uh, is a journalist by the name of Matinda, Matilda Bosley who is a, a journalist at The Guardian and her comment was essentially, and I had it in front of me and now I can't find it, was essentially along the lines of um, the there is limited evidence to show that unless we're going to go to absolutely extreme graphic warnings, there is very limited evidence to suggest that label warnings work to address the issues um, that are enunciated by us fundamentally the health lobby in the question and that the significant cultural change that would be required by Australians to move to a place where we said we want those 
massive graphic labels is is just a step too far. And what was so great about that is um, certainly as an industry, we've been pushing back to the health lobbyists saying prove that it works, not prove that we can put them on there and people can see them, but prove that it makes a change to the behaviour of unhealthy drinking levels that you're trying to address. And there is very limited research. In fact, um, as this journalist had said, you know, extremely limited research to say that that works. And so I thought that was positive. I would love uh, to get in touch with her and say, what research are you citing? Can you provide any to us? Um, Just to really understand how she's become so informed on the issue when when the material out there is so scant and the material that is being put in front of everybody um, doesn't have that comment in it that the evidence doesn't necessarily show that it works. So I think that is, in terms of all of the headwinds that the industry is facing, to add additional labelling, um, it, it's great to hear that that's not the outcome. Now, Matt, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like you might say, but there's momentum building, look at all of these other things, and certainly I, I can agree with that. Well, the only thing I was going to say was in response to the, the answer, yeah, like it, the, the fact that it's being discussed, you know, shows that there is a, a, a public issue that's, that's being raised. But Patricia Cavallis, uh, you know, sort of asked, um, have you received advice from your department about whether these labels will be useful? No, I haven't. Um, have you asked for it? No, I haven't. Why not? The assistant minister has asked for advice on what's happening around the country, but I'll be very clear. Our energy right now is on reigniting the fight against tobacco. The answer from the minister, you know, whilst the minister came out very clearly and said, no, we're not going to at the moment, her answer about research and things like that was kind of like, look over there. You know, We're not going to tackle this one. It wasn't because it's not an issue. It's not something that's important or whatever. It's, you know, it's much easier to tackle... Um, tobacco than it is to, you know, politically, it's a tough issue because the alcohol companies are major donors. Um, The alcohol is still popular, but that's why I say momentum matters because there is a changing demographic. There is more awareness of of, of alcohol. And whilst we're seeing the early stages of the discussion, the fact that it's been defeated now doesn't mean that in, you know, two, three, five years. and, And that's the window of investment that a lot of breweries are looking at and that's why we need to take the the foot before them um in keeping up looking researching information why well, i think it might actually be a good idea for ourselves as an industry to go ahead with our own warning label on them um that alcohol uh can have effects on many different areas of your physical and mental health please go to this link here if you'd like to find out more and we can take the we can take the step beforehand and be responsible citizens of the product that we make and uh, potentially slow down the push for something that is just unrealistic and unreasonable. I also want to, I don't want to take this too high level, but I wrap back to um, our rants on Beer Australia and and I'm just going to make some points here, which is Beer is the adult beverage of moderation. People will have seen me starting to use that language increasingly because I think that, you know, um, Research, independent research, not from beer, has concluded that it is as a result of beer's first first mover into both mid-strength and then low-no, defined as less than 3% alcohol, that is that has fundamentally shifted 
toward Australians towards moderate drinking. It has played a central role. So we as an industry are not the same as other alcohol. And to borrow from testimony from um, Tim Cooper before the Economic Committee, um, which I happen to be reading today, uh, he said that um, a standard drink of alcohol, a standard drink of beer is taxed at eight times a standard drink of cask wine, eight times. So but that's because it's value, not volume. Sh- that's yep. right. But the net result is wine is the most pure alcohol available. We saw that stat come out a couple of weeks ago, again, from independent body. We have um, researchers saying that the conclusion is that as a result of the beer industry moderating, and that is many of the small breweries, we have created uh, uh, and flipped this cultural narrative in Australia towards moderation. And so when we start to think about tactical things that will change the behaviour that the health advocates are concerned about, there are actually things that can be done that are not put labels on everything. But that's also where, again, that that has always been my argument. Beer has been driving lower alcohol, um, but that's where the behaviour around it speaks louder than the, the 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 reality, beer is a beverage of moderation, um, and it it has been world leading. Australia is world leading in terms of lowering the consumption of alcohol through beer. Um, but that's where some of the boorishness and the, the the behaviour carries far more weight than the reality that we are actually a very responsible industry. But also some of quite frankly, Matt, the marketing dollars, right? Like wine has managed to keep box wine out of the forefront of all of the dodginess for years, simply by virtue of the fact that they can, you know, show all their beautiful vineyards and their multi-million, you know, like they have money to create the narrative around wine that they want the narrative to be that is well supported by many industry bodies, including government. And Beer Australia, given the same funding, can tell the true, the factually independently proven true narrative that we are the adult beverage of moderation and we can lead the way, Ian, even if we don't put health Step labels up to on beer. it. We can lead the way in saying... When, when you're ready to adult, no, have a beer. I, look, I feel like... Anyway, what, what, I'm sorry, I'm, what was your beautiful criticism, Ian, about that? It was like maybe that could use some external massages or yeah. something. Um, but I, I think I think we as an industry have a positive story to tell about the offering that we have available, about the um, the seriousness with which we take our diverse range of expensive artisan products and I think that we can craft this narrative and in our behaviour if we can back that narrative up every single time, we are going to win this war. We are going to win the long-time war for people's hearts, minds and wallets. Um, we just need a little bit of oomph. Um, and so I'm here for it. We're going to do it. It's going to be great. Awesome. <laughs> now, speaking of something that – no, sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm just um, <laughs> conscious of time, keeping it moving, given that I've already kept you guys once. Um, this is our second go at it. Something else that is awesome is our Brewery of the Week that is brought to you by Bluestone Yeast, who can supply pitches of yeast from 1 litre to 100 litres at greater than 2 billion cells per milliliter. Whether you're after a one-off pitch or whether you're looking for a weekly, monthly or fortnightly deliveries of yeast, Bluestone Yeast has got you covered. You can reach out to them at info at bluestoneyeast.com.au or call Derek on 038518 and talk all things yeast. This is a very special uh, Brewery of the Week because... 
I didn't reach out to Derek. He reached out to me. Um, sent a little email that uh, he didn't wasn't sure whether he'd catch the show recording, but I just wanted to share with you the great brewery experience I had down in Tassie at Van Diemen Brewery with Will. A series of fortunate events aligned to allow me to visit Will. He had reached out for some yeast and ordered a couple of strains. As it happened, it was due to go to Tassie for a mountain biking. I was due to go to Tassie for mountain biking for a friend's 50th, and therefore I was able to, I'm not sure how much he wants me to share of this, personally delivered <laughs> the yeast to Will. He was very gracious and showed myself and ate all eight of my friends around the brewery, and we got to taste some amazing beers uh, in, from Tanks and Barrels. A particular highlight was his Saison Max. That was everything I look for in a Saison. Saison being the password to get into the Radio Brazil's Facebook group. It would be great if you could give Van Diemen a shout out as we had a truly wonderful time. I do feel guilty about recommending it's this brewery for Brewery of the Week as Van Diemen's is not open to the public, but listeners can experience Will's beers by ordering online. Anyway, I'll leave this one up to you to make an editorial decision, decision made, on whether to mention it, but at the very least, let Ian know that the Saison is excellent. And I would be interested in his opinion if he ever gets a chance to taste it. I've actually got a bottle of um, uh, one of Will's beers here. Uh, I tried to catch up uh, when uh, Rocky and I were in Tasmania earlier this year, but unfortunately things didn't align. Uh, but I did manage to, to grab um, some Van Diemen. Haven't opened it yet. Uh, I've heard some great things from some people I trust. But, you know, hey, if Will's listening and you've got that Saison that um, – Derek's talking about so much. I'd love to try that. You know, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. No, um, uh, but, but seriously, yes, I, I have yet to have one of their beers, um, but I do have one here, and I've heard from people I, I respect highly that the beers there are excellent, um, and his whole approach to it there um, has certainly captured the imagination of, of many people. Excellent. I haven't been, uh, but I need to. I, I, it's one of the ones I need to get to. Um, now, Mailbag. Uh, mailbag is brought to you by Beer Fans. Uh, beer Fans creates new fans for your brand. Start selling outside of the same pool of consumers. Increase the size of your pie. It's free to feature your beer and merch on the website with Beer Fans only being rewarded once a new fan is secu- secured for your brand. If you want to put your brand in front of more Beer Fans, reach out to the team via email at uh, join at beerfans.shop or click on the link in the show notes to start your seven-minute onboarding process. Now, they're actually doing a really interesting promotion at the moment where you get your money back. If you buy some beer from Beer Fans and you don't like it, you get your money back. Um, so jump on Beer Fans and find out all about their uh, unique money-back guarantee. Um, now, for me, uh, it, it's, it's a bit of a hybrid. There was a really good discussion. I just posed a question um, because it is, as I said, crowdsource funding season coming up. We're starting to see uh, some breweries um, lodge their uh, reports. Um and when I say reports, it's some of them are reports. Some of them are, you know, I, I would have thought as an owner of a business, I might get a little bit more information um, about the business that I apparently have a ownership in. Um, but I just put it out to some of our um, members, uh, the, the the Brews News Group members, and said, look, if you want to comment or otherwise send me an email. Had really interesting public discussion, as always, as you'd expect, uh, an even more interesting off-the-record conversation uh, with some people. Um, and, you know, it, 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 it's interesting. I think the takeaway is that, you know, people would probably like more um, communication about their business. Um, you know, they, they, a lot of them are saying that I don't expect a return, but the, the vibe I'm getting is they don't really feel part of the business, you know, which, which certainly isn't the way it's pitched um, when people are raising money. So 
Yep. So, so that was my letter of the week. Everyone who contributed to that, because you know the discussions that we have on the uh, Bruce News Group, and, and I should say, because every now and then I get a chip, including this week, um, from brewers uh, who say who get upset at some of the conversations that are on that group, and it's chiefly industry people. There are a lot of lurkers, a lot of people who don't um, post, but then you know there are, there are what I call prosumers, some highly engaged consumers who really. Are passionate about the industry, and it's always interesting to see their points of view because the discussion seems to be a little bit higher brow or a little bit, you know, less knocking than some of the Facebook um, shit posting groups. All good fun if that's what you want to be part of. Um, but yeah, um, it is a private group. It's not the information doesn't go publicly. Apparently, a lot of people screenshot things and send them around, which is often when I get my get texted. Um, but it, it, it's yeah, it's not a, an open group. It's 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 meant to be fairly safe, positive discussion about uh, you know, a lot of the things that we discuss on the uh, podcast. But then also um, things that you see in the uh, you know, in, in the media. You guys, anything else from you guys for the week? I just wanted to say IBA hat on, Matt. Yes. Um, thank you to all of the breweries um, around the country who are writing to their ministers in relation to national CDS harmonisation, in relation to health warning labels. Uh, breweries have really stepped up to the plate. They're organising meetings with federal ministers, state ministers, sending correspondence. The, the, um, the volume is really impressive. Everybody should be very proud of themselves for the work they're putting in. Um, let's keep it going. If you haven't written, open your emails from the IBA, follow the templates, send in. Um, we know that the collective voice is having an impact and we know that because look at what's happened around the health labelling stuff. That's come from input, not just from beer, not just from big beer and big alcohol, but it's come from little breweries who've taken the time. So we know it's helped on labelling. Um, and, and so I just want to say, you know, congratulations to everyone. We know you've got a million jobs to do, um, but I'm watching them all come in and it is really impressive. And so. these are important. These are important. Now is the time to be heard. You pay an industry association to act on your behalf and to to get the voice of government, to get the ear of government and government's listening and all of you are um, taking it seriously. And so you talk about a maturing market. Um, we are doing all of the things that we should be doing as an industry. And so, um, yeah, congratulations. If you haven't done it and you want to do it. Plenty of letters to write, guys. <laughs> we're gonna be we're gonna be we're gonna be advocating for quite some time. Well, that brings us to the end of another show. Uh, the show's so so nice, we did it twice. Um, <laughs> your hosts have been me, Matt Kirkegaard, Sabrina Kunz, and Ian Watson. The show is produced and edited by Joe Helder. We thank Bintani for coming on board as sponsors. Rallings, label stickers and packaging, Bluestone Yeast, and beer fans for their support in making this episode possible. And we'll be back next week with another Beer is the Conversation and then back next week to discuss all the news that happens over the next seven days. We look oh. forward to it. See you, Matt. Bye, See you. Later.